The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Jesus was God. He was born as a human child. He was the offspring of the Holy Spirit. And that dimension, that Jesus is God, that makes this story stand out above any stories that can be told on Christmas Eve. Now, it's only within the last 200 years that Christmas has been celebrated with Christmas trees and Santa Claus and more recently Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And we don't need all of those extras because there is plenty to occupy us in this text. There is plenty here for us to tell and retell and retell for centuries without inventing anything extra. And so with that in mind, I have only a few minutes to explore just one aspect of this multifaceted story, and I can't do justice even to this one small part. But I'd like to make a few comments about verse number 14, which is part of the heralded, heralded announcement of the angels that the Savior was born in Bethlehem. After that part, which is in verses 11 and 12, comes this further announcement. It's the praise because of Christ's birth. And hopefully in the dimness of the light this evening, you can see in your program verses 13 and 14. And here the scripture says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, In excelsis Deo, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. This is the heavenly host of other angels that joined the one angel who announced Jesus' birth. The Bible says that it was a host. The Greek word that's used there as host is one that means with the strength of numbers as with an army. And so, simply stated, there were very, very, very many of these angels. Whenever the Bible references angelic numbers, it always says that they are innumerable. Now, I don't know any event in the history of man that could bring out innumerable angels to shout to the glory of God, but this is one that did, because this is the strangest, most uncommon thing that God has ever done, if we can call anything that God does common. This is the revelation of God in human flesh. It's the beginning of the redemption plan as it plays out on earth. This is the beginning of the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15 that we spoke this morning. This is what will lead to the crushing blow that's delivered to the head of Satan. This is the response of angels who with wonder and amazement behold the condescension of the Lord God, that He became human, that He stepped down to be made lower than these angels that shout His announcement of the birth. And for a time, he came to live a rejected life and to die as a sacrifice for sin. And friends, that thought that the holy God could do it is inconceivable. But this is God who came down from heaven to bring salvation to men. This is God who made it his personal quest that he would take on the painful duty of restoring the sin-cursed race. This is God who didn't ask angels or men to do it because there was no one but him that could. And this is a thought that's above the angels. Peter wrote that 
angels are inquisitive about such things, that they look into God's method of salvation, that they desire to learn more about it. They consider it because their understanding of how God did this and why God did it is really not much better than ours. Why would the Almighty God make this shameful descent for fallen men who had rebelled against Him? He provided no redemption for fallen angels, so why would He for men? And the only answer is God's glory. That God does nothing, that God designs nothing, that God acts in no other ways but those ways that will bring Him the most glory. This is what angels know. They know Him as the God of glory. Now imagine a scene that you could hardly imagine. Imagine that there is one angel who appears to announce Christ's birth to shepherds on a cold night. And he comes to the oblivious, unsuspecting, And the angel comes in a blinding light and tells them not to be afraid. And I would say that battle was already lost. Why wouldn't they be afraid? The angel said, today, the Savior, the Christ, the Messiah, is born in Bethlehem in the city of David. And at that moment, as soon as he had said it, the heavens opened, the dark skies were illuminated, they were rolled back like a scroll to reveal this host of angels and appealing thunderous acclaim, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Be not afraid, the angel said. Then have you ever seen an angel? Speaking of additions to the Bible... The pictures of angels playing harps, handsome angels sitting on clouds with halos over their heads, with beautiful, perfectly sculpted human bodies, and a couple of white wings of, like swans attached to them, doesn't come from the Bible. Now, the Bible is the only source that we can learn such things. The Bible is the only place that tells us these things. And the Bible's description of angels is that of multiple sets of wings, faces with men and animals. Some have four faces, some have multiple eyes, and at least some of them have flaming swords that they carry. And the angel says, don't be afraid. You read Isaiah's vision of angels in God's throne room, or read in Ezekiel and see Ezekiel's description of them. See what Elisha Saul, when angelic hosts and chariots of fire, thousands upon thousands of them killed Syrians. Read the Revelation when John looked into heaven and he said, there are beasts there, those are living creatures, they are angels, creatures one like a lion, another like a calf, a third like a man, and the fourth like a flying eagle. Those are the angels. And they appeared in the brightness of God's glory. And think of that too, the blinding light. Now, if we had all of our lights on this evening, I, I would challenge you to stare into any of these lights when they're all on and see how bright they are. If you drive down Highway 101 in a construction area, Caltrans does its best to blind you in the darkness of the night to make sure that you can't see where you're going. So we can produce... Enough light to make a small area seem like daytime in the middle of the night. But this wasn't a small area. These are the heavens that are lit up in the middle of the night. And the shepherds had never seen, never seen anything like that. Their night was dark, always dark. 
and their towns were only lit with the slimmest, slightest of flickers of light. Now the angels, or God, turns on billions of lumens of light. And that's how God's glory is always described in the Scripture. It's described as brilliant light, and they were engulfed in that light with angels yelling and shouting the glory of God, thousands of eyes and multiple faces and many wings. And they say, don't be afraid. Well, how does this anthem of praise, the bright light of glory, the host of heavenly angels, strange, multifaced creatures, how does that get reduced to fairy tales? How did the magnificent night of Christmas become so secularized that people celebrate without so much as a nod to the Almighty God who gave us this holy day. How? Well, you turn anything over to fallen man, and he'll distort it, and he'll destroy it. But this is not my night to address that problem. On this night, we don't want to let the rejection of the world dampen our enthusiasm for God's glory. And so we must think on this. Why did the angels give glory to God? The easiest answer would be to say, that's what they do. This is what angels do. This is what they're, they were created for. They exist for God's glory. This is their occupation. So what else would they do? When they get up to go to work, they pull on their halo, they strap on their set of wings, and they head into the throne room. And there they punch that heavenly clock, and they stand there all day long doing what they do, saying, holy, holy, holy. And that's their mindless job, and they just do it because that's what they're supposed to do. Well, you know that's foolishness. Angels worship God because they know Him. They see Him. They know how He works in ways that we can't see. And they would never dare to approach the worship of God in the way that many of us do. They know the back scenes of heaven. And what do they see? They see that this God deserves all the praise that they can give, that He deserves to be worshipped, that He should be glorified in a thousand more ways than they're able to do. They don't go through the motions of worship as if they're mindless and pre-programmed. If you want to know why we as Baptists reject the ritualism of sacraments and the liturgies of high church, it's because our worship is from the heart and not by rote. Angelic worship is contemplative worship. As Peter said, the angels look into the wonders of this. This captivates them. They want to explore it as far as they can. And so they're eternally amazed and ever learning. And we wonder, how is it that we're not awestruck at what we're talking about tonight? The birth of Jesus Christ, God come down to man. How are we not awestruck by that? Or even the miracle of the new birth that we have in Jesus Christ. Angels see the omnipotent God in His sovereignty and how He holds the universe together with the word of His power. And knowing what we can't see, they never cease to glorify Him. I'm not saying that we can understand how to glorify God, that we can glorify God in the way that they do. The elect angels are preserved in holiness. Their minds are pure as God's is, and we don't have that advantage. But one day we will. One day we'll see the Lord as angels see Him. We'll be above the angels. And we'll glorify God fully in all the ways that He deserves. But for now, we only know a measure of God's glory. 
We're saved and we're sanctified. We're new creatures in Christ. And that new status that we have, being believers in Him, and I hope that you are, but being a new believer in Jesus Christ, that should really spark new curiosities about Him. What is He like? What has He done for me? We should desire to look further into God's glory just as angels do. And we should urge, we should be urged onward to say glory to God in the highest. Well, I'm not going to keep you much longer. I, I know that you want to go home to start your Christmas celebration. I am pleased that on a Sunday night I can stand here in this place where the Word of God is preached and give honor to the birth of our Lord Christ. And I hope to be as an angel. Angel simply means a messenger. And so I hope to be as an angel of the Lord, and that is to give you the gospel of Jesus Christ and tell you how you can have faith in Him and be saved. Well, the angelic message is peace on earth, goodwill to men. But I don't know if there has been a more misinterpreted saying in all the history of man since that night that this was said, because peace on earth must be in concert with the birth of Christ, and it cannot be separated from Christ. The United Nations can't bring it. How will that happen? How would it happen? How can there be peace on earth when nations reject Christ? How can we hope that there would be peace in Jerusalem when both Arabs and Jews reject Jesus Christ? There will be no peace there. The angels said peace on earth, but when they said it, they were predicting a new kingdom. They were predicting a new government that would come to the world. And it's not going to happen until Christ's kingdom is over the entire earth. And only then do we see what we, or will we see what we read in Isaiah. They shall beat their weapons into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so are we to believe without the visible kingdom of Christ on earth that there can be no peace for us? Can we have no peace because that kingdom has not yet been established? Yes, we can have peace. A different type of peace. We can have spiritual peace. We can have an inner peace. And this is because our hostility towards God and His towards us dissipates in the reconciliation that's made by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so by faith in Christ, we have the greatest peace. We have peace in our souls. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that word of peace should never be shoved aside in the pushing and shoving of a secularized Christmas. God still deserves all of the glory. One day, Jesus will come back to this earth and He'll come back with another host of angels. The sky will break open again, and then there will be another innumerable company of angels that will accompany him, and the glory of God will be on display again across all of the heavens. And this time when he comes, he'll not come to step down to a cross. When he comes, he'll not come to be a servant. And when he comes, he'll not come to be rejected. He'll be only one thing. He'll be the ruling king. And he comes to be glorified on earth by the greatest of kings and still the lowliest of shepherds. 
babies and farm animals and haloed angels hovering over nativities don't make Christmas. Christmas trees and presents don't make Christmas. It's the glory of God that makes Christmas. Peace in the hearts of those who have been made to glorify God. That's what makes Christmas. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We are here tonight with our heads bowed before you in wonder and amazement at what the angels saw. Reading the story from the Word of God lifts our hearts to the highest of the heavens to see the glory of God opened up before us in the face of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the salvation that we have in Him. And I, I do pray tonight that each and every person in this room knows you as Savior, that there is not one of us who depends on anything that we've ever done to be right in your eyes, because the only way that we can is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for faith in him. We pray for your people, Lord, to be strong in their faith during this Christmas season, and that we would be quick to give the gospel to people who need to hear it. Thank you, Lord, for this night. Thank you the celebration of Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.